Good afternoon. Welcome to the Econews Report. I'm your host this week, Annie Maher, Programs Coordinator at the North Coast Environmental Center. The Econews Report is an exclusive feature of KHSU, brought to you by the North Coast Environmental Center, publisher of our regional environmental newspaper, Econews. Don't forget, you can find this show and other KHSU public affairs shows on the audio archives page at khsu.org. Today, my guest is Marisa St. John, a Humboldt County local and activist here to talk about the Titlow Hill Project. Thank you for being on the Econews Report today. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your relation to this project? Okay. My husband, Jeff, and I bought our property back in 2002, and we moved to Titlow Hill in mid-2005 and got our owner-builder permit and have built an off-the-grid home. And we, we came here after living in remote areas of both Santa Clara and Santa Cruz counties. Before we purchased the, the, our property on Titlow Hill, we, as hopefully other reasonable people would do before making such a large purchase, they'd read up on what it means to buy undeveloped rural property. You need to have permits. You need to make sure it has water. You make sure you need to make sure you can have t- legal title to the place. We also spent time at the county offices and the property to understand what the zoning was. We were on the property and it was quiet, very little traffic, and we also used a title company. and And the zoning in the area was to keep the large parcels large, and that we felt comfortable after coming from two other counties here in California where the county did enforce its laws that if there was illegal building, that the county would take care of things. That hasn't happened. And so we went to the county records and really dug into individual parcels because we were seeing more activity in the area. We then saw more driveways going through after we moved. And because, like I said earlier, that we had... a. a large wildland fire where we used to live, where we had we could see the flames in the canyon. We had ash falling on our house, and luckily the fire got put out before it got to our house. We went to the county and told them about what we were seeing and our concerns for our health and safety. Mm-hmm. And that was at your the previous property you owned. Yes. And where, where was that again? It was in the Santa Cruz Mountains, similar rural kind of undeveloped area. Yes. And so now you're doing the same thing in Humboldt County and not getting the same kind of reaction from the county, essentially. Yes. So what is this project for those who might not have gotten the last Econews or heard about the proposed project? The proposed project is a over 6,000-acre, 120-parcel project that involves the general plan amendment, zoning changes that would expand the allowable uses, and a subdivision. Of those 120 parcels, they range in size from 2 acres to 187 acres, of which half have been illegally created. The area was bought in the 70s by Ken Borellis, who's a local attorney and heavy equipment owner, and his partner, and they submitted a proposal for a subdivision that was conditionally approved by one set of supervisors in the Planning Commission, and after public opposition due to potential adverse environmental effects concerns over geology instability of some of the building sites and the prevalence of Native American artifacts and remains in the area, the project was rejected by a separate set of supervisors and the commission. So he proposed this project and it was rejected? Yes, ultimately rejected. And then Mr. Borellis proceeded to illegally subdivide and sell parcels in violation of the state's MAP Act. 
and has helped develop the areas after that as well. So continue to do it anyway, illegally. You're correct. And over 4,000 acres of that original plan were supposed to be left as open space, which is a shame because that hasn't happened. Okay, so there's been some illegal activity in the past mm-hmm. in, at, in the Titlow Hill area, which is mm-hmm. where exactly? Titlow Hill is about 10 miles west of Willow Creek. It's bounded by Highway 299, Redwood Creek, and Titlow Hill itself. And what makes it kind of unique, this, this site? Well, it's really beautiful. It has, well, like I said earlier, Native American history. It has oak woodlands and prairies that are slowly disappearing across California. And it's just got beautiful flora and fauna and is generally quiet and very beautiful. And Redwood Creek runs through the... Mr. Ken Brellis, Ken yes. Brellis, yeah. Redwood Creek runs through his property, correct? I do not know that. <laughs> I think I read somewhere that that is part, also part of the what makes that property so unique is mm-hmm. that Red, Redwood Creek and a lot of other beautiful aspects are involved in that property. Mm-hmm. Yes. So there's been some illegal activity in the past. Mm-hmm. And where what's happening today? Well, today that illegal activity seems to be continuing. Mm-hmm. And and in uh, mid-December, the county sent out this notice of a preparation of a draft environmental impact report, a general plan update, as well as zoning changes. And that got me very interested and other groups in the area very interested because if 40 years ago the county rejected a plan to do this, and there's a why would they want to approve it now? Mm-hmm. And so we're currently waiting for a draft environmental impact report to come out. And once we read that, we'll have lots more comments, I'm sure. So it will be essentially legalizing this illegal activity after the fact. You're it's correct. been going on for all these years. Yes. And how long has it been going on for a lot of this activity? Decades or? Uh, I believe it goes back to the late 70s, early 80s. So a long time. Yes. So you wrote an Econews article about this in the last Econews. And in it, you mentioned that this project poses a risk to the environment, people, and society. Mm -hmm. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what those risks are, starting with environmental risks? Okay, I will do so. There is a report that was written in 2006 called the Redwood Creek Integrated Watershed Strategy Report that says the Redwood Creek watershed is at risk for issues with water quality, water quantity, and the removal of upstream roads, hydrological changes, and impacts to salmonoid fishes, and other impacts to the scenic and other primary qualities of National Redwood National Park and State Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also has impacts for animals, and including those in special status, like the northern spotted owl, fisher, humboldt martin, foothill yellow-legged frog, coho salmon, and steelhead. And that's according to the Department of Fish and Wildlife's response to this notice of preparation. They can have habitat removal. It'd be affected by light and noise pollution, fragmentation, erosion, and road runoff. Lots of endangered species could suffer. Possibly, yes. Yeah. Yeah, once, and that's what the environmental impact report should tell us is what one of those species would be there. Mm-hmm. The risks to people who are living there are 
a lot of it has to do with your ability to enjoy your property. So, for example, we'd be threatened by wildland fires, which destroys homes and kind of makes the environment look like a moonscape. Where we used to live in the Santa Cruz Mountains, we experienced one fire that was due to uh, faulty electrical wiring. And then just recently, there was a Loma fire out there, and that fire was caused by a generator, marijuana grower generator, and that made the place look like a moonscape. Mm-hmm. It's really devastating. People would also be affected by noise and light pollution, as well as air pollution from the nearby wildfires that have been happening since we've been here, and then specific to marijuana growing, and it would be the burning of plant discards and just the general smell. And the biggest risk, I think, is the high probability that the people who are there now and that any new people coming in would just continually do illegal subdivisions, illegal building, and the county would can just continue not to abate the problem. So kind of allowing this type of behavior to continue what has been going on illegally, just yes. kind of more. More so. Yes. Only legalizing it, making it so that all of that past behavior was justified or allowed yes. as opposed to regulating it is the concern. They should have taken care of it. They should abate means fix. So they can fix the problem by having people buy additional parcels to make their one part place where they want to build legal. They can get alternative owner builder permits just like we did make their homes legal. They don't, you don't need a permit not to take water out of Redwood Creek. You don't need a permit to grade your road to code. You don't need a permit to do, to do a lot of things the right way, but to be legal, you do need the permit. Mm-hmm. And that hasn't been happening. Okay. So how does this project conflict with the general plan framework? According to the staff's report, they state that it is in keeping with the general plan and is in the public's best interest when it comes to changing the zoning. Mm -hmm. Would the framework still be in effect since the general plan was adopted in October? I do not understand the legalities of how that would work and how that comes into place with this, these changes. Mm -hmm. So many are concerned that this will set a precedent for other projects, Mm -hmm. like you said. So why is this the case and why is that a problem? Well, why it's a problem? The problem isn't about marijuana per se. It's about the the, marijuana just happens to be here because of the timing that it coincides with all of these new marijuana laws and proposed changes. The problems that are involved with the illegal subdivisions, illegal building, illegal grading would apply if the growers were growing tomatoes or wine grapes. So first problem is, in essence, the voices of citizens, agencies, and nonprofits who took the time and participated in the general plan framework, as well as update processes, our voices have been silenced. And I think that it also discourages f- future participation in these processes as well. It also rewards the violators and encourages the quote-unquote do first, ask for permission later attitude for developers. And then lastly, it seems to remove the responsibility of the county to ensure 
in a timely manner, if at all, that our lands are used appropriately and that the environment and people are kept safe. Yeah, and you mentioned that cannabis was one of the potential proposed uses for the land. What other types of heavy agriculture or other... So it's currently zoned for grazing. What other types of projects besides cannabis could possibly be enacted if this goes through? There could be... Let's see. Because they're going to change the land designation, it will allow for cottage industries to be there. It will allow for second homes. It will change what can be done on those parcels. It's changing it from agriculture to rural residential. Right. Yeah. So that could open it up to a variety of different projects. You're correct. Okay. Including cannabis, including heavy agriculture, etc. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so you've already talked a little bit about how the county has reacted to the activity on and Titlow Hill and the resulting complaints. So your first complaint was in 2006, right? Yes. What was the county's reaction over time to these complaints of illegal activity? When I spoke directly to my supervisor, who's in, who was in District 5, she said it costs too much money to abate the problem. I've heard from county staff that their supervisors and their upper management didn't want to pursue any of this. And from the lack of results, of, I would say that, yeah, the county hasn't done what they're supposed to do. So it's sounding like from their point of view, they just don't have the resources to go through with regulating all of these different potential projects or, you know, illegal activity that's going on. They don't have the resources on their end is what they're That's what you. I understand. Mm -hmm. But that's their job. Yes. <laughs> and I spoke at a board of supervisors meeting it must be in 2007 or 2008, and I shared with them that if you don't fix the problems today, they will only get worse. And that is true. There's more. And illegal building, the alternative owner-builder permitting process, says if you don't apply for a permit, it's $500 a day. per, And that should have more than paid for the county to abate the problems. So what do you think this says about the county's ability to oversee the general plan and property transfers? I'm not impressed. With their past activity or past ability to kind of regulate these things? Their history shows that it, it, they haven't abated the problems. They've known about the problems. They sued Mr. Borellis in 2008, I believe, and things have only gotten worse. They, they're well aware of the problem. What was the result of that lawsuit with Mr. Brellis? I would have to go back and look at the details. It was for three parcels, I believe, and ultimately the judge, I believe, found the county didn't have standing to sue him for that. But I'd have to go back and look at the details. Mm -hmm. My name is Annie Maher, Programs Coordinator at the NEC. My guest today is Marisa St. John, talking to us today about the proposed Titlow Hill project. So why do you think this is all coming to light now? And this has obviously been going on for decades, as you said, but only now is it starting to arise as officially maybe trying to become legalized or being brought to public attention. Why do you think that's happening right now? Bec my personal feeling is that it is because of the current new marijuana laws and that if I look at the records that I have 
some of the people who would be benefiting from this also have marijuana applications on hold with the county because of their illegal parcels. So uh, you think a lot of them are going to use it for cannabis cultivation? If if that's legal cannabis cultivation. If I look at the applications that have been submitted, yes. And if I did some more research to see who else, what other parcel numbers are there and could see all the other illegal growers who haven't applied, my guess would be yes. Yeah. And this, this also comes at a time I was, um, the, a Las Coast Outpost article just came out about how Humboldt County is projected to produce more legal marijuana than the entire state of California can consume mm-hmm. in a year. I thought that was really interesting happening in conjunction with this proposal, which you're saying could potentially be driven by people who want to have cannabis cultivation, kind of all lining up at the same time. Everyone's going to trying to get their farm legalized, and there's quite a few people trying to do it, it seems like. Yes, but like I said, my issue is not with marijuana grows. If people were growing tomatoes or wine grapes Mm -hmm. and they were doing it on illegally subdivided properties and were building illegal homes that put me, my husband, our home, our business, our animals, the rest of the people who are there and the environment at such a risk for wildland fire, loss of contaminating our water, taking our water away, I would have the same So you mentioned this notice of preparation of a draft environmental impact report, which is quite a long description of this document that they are, that they need to produce in order to create the draft environmental impact report. When is the the draft environmental impact report, DEIR, expected to come out? I believe it had an original due date of this April. Mm-hmm. However, I also believe that the original estimate I saw for getting the notice of preparation out was in November. So I believe they will maybe coming out later than April this year. Okay. So by late April, it should be available. And where would it be available? I do not know the exact dates. Uh, the county would be better able to answer that. The county would put a notice out to let us all to let the public know that it the document is available for review. And that will be available on the county's website, like you mentioned? Yes, and I highly encourage your listening audience to go to the county's website, go down to the left-hand side and where it says notify me, sign up for as many of the alerts that you want to get, one of them being alerts coming from the planning and building department. Mm-hmm. And where can people find out more information if they want to hear about this project or read more about it? The the listening audience can go to the county's website and you can type in Titlow Hill and search results will come up for that. And both the notice of preparation and another document related to this project have a lot more information about the history of the area, the history of the illegal subdivisions, and encourage everyone to be well-informed. And also sign up for Econews Alerts because the NEC has been kind enough to offer to send out alerts as when the draft environmental impact report comes out as well and of any other concerns. And the NEC did comment on the notice of preparation for this DEIR and all are, are welcome to see that on our website as well if you want to get informed on our comments or how you can get involved. Highly encourage it. We do need 
people to stand up and have their voice recognized this time because if if the subdivision goes through and and it basically lets people erase all their bad behaviors i guarantee you it will not stop and unless we also have the county enforce the laws that they put on the books it's not going to stop have you seen this reflected in any other areas where the county has had a hard time enforcing these these different zoning regulations? I have been solely focused on Titlow Hill. If anyone has any additional information to back up our voice, then please feel free to share it with me. My email address is upperredwoodcreek at gmail.com. So more than welcome to share any information they may have about Titlow Hill or other things they might want to contribute to the cause. Yes, thank you. So... Well, thank you for joining us today, Marisa. I also have an announcement for the North Coast Environmental Center. We are having our annual fundraiser this Saturday. It will be at the Bayside Community Hall at 5 p.m. We will be having live music by Kingfoot, a silent auction, and a spaghetti dinner. So please join us. We'd love to have all of you at the Bayside Community Hall this Saturday, March 24th at 5 p.m. There are also music-only tickets available, but you can go ahead and get your tickets at the door. We would love to see you there. This has been the Eco News Report. My name is Annie Maher, Programs Coordinator at the NEC, and I've been your host for the past half hour. My guest today was Marisa St. John, talking to us today about the proposed Titlow Hill project. You can find more information in Eco News or at the NEC's website at yournec.org slash econews. If you have any questions or comments about this program, please call our listener comment line at 826-6089. If you'd like to replay this interview or share it with others, you can go to the KGSU archives at kgsu.org. We're also podcasting. You can subscribe to Econews Report on iTunes. The Econews Report is produced for KHSU, located at Humboldt State University in cooperation with the North Coast Environmental Center. Many thanks to Fred McLaughlin for engineering. Join us for the next Econews Report.